0: this show is for you.
1: We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work.
0: This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Aloha, everyone from the North Shore of Oahu, Hawaii.
2: Yeah, uh, a little behind the scenes is oftentimes we record these on Saturday night. So we just got back from a bonfire with some new friends. It was so fun. We haven't done that yet since we've lived here. Yeah, it's really done. cool. Yeah.
0: Have uh, s'mores on the beach and this, uh, this podcast episode is something that's been really present for me lately. Um, just in some of the work I've been doing with some clients. And then also I've been reading this amazing book called a way of being, uh, it was written by Carl Rogers and he's considered the founder of the human potential movement. Just amazing pioneer, did some amazing work in the world of psychology. And this episode is for me, is about like, can we truly hear each other and And what I mean by that is, do we ever get to a place in our relationships, husband, wife, children, coworkers, friends, where we like we truly hear what the other person is saying? And so, it's, it, it's, it's about listening. It's about communication, but on a much deeper level than I have ever thought about and that I typically think about. And I love this quote by George Bernard Shaw. He said, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. And I think there's so many situations like in mine and Melissa's marriage that we've talked about over the years where we truly couldn't hear what the other person was saying. And I don't mean like, um, from an audio, like sound perspective, like we could not understand what it was that we're really trying to convey. And, and it was so frustrating and discouraging for us. And I think sometimes we didn't, we didn't know what we were trying to say to each other. And what we needed more than anything is for one of us to listen in such a way that would, even have one of us know what we were trying to say and for the other person to really hear. And it's just, it's one of the most amazing gifts that I think you can give another human being is to really hear them beyond like, it's almost, it's beyond listening to them. It's like hearing them in a way that they feel seen by you, hearing them in a way where they really feel understood by you, hearing them in a way like at such a deep level that they actually get more insight, more clarity and access to what they're actually trying to say. Like you, he- you hear in such a way that, yeah, they just feel validated. And for me, you could, so if you've listened to some of the other episodes, you've heard me talk about this amazing marriage counselor, Gordon Gunnell, that Melissa and I met with that truly was instrument instrumental in saving our marriage. He was that for me. in in, in a more profound way than maybe anyone had ever been, And for me, there's this this distinction between listening to people and hearing them. So for me, when I listen, I'm usually listening to respond. I'm listening to teach. I'm listening to like solve something for them, which is actually what (laughs) most people don't want. Like when someone's wanting to share with you, they're not wanting to be taught oftentimes or, you know, have something solved. They just want you to hear them. They want you to hear what they're really trying to convey and maybe help them figure out what they're trying to convey. And again, Gordon, like he heard me and I felt like in that he saw me and he understood me and it just felt, it was just so empowering. And so I think that there's been so many times in my life where I'm just running around trying to communicate with someone and never getting down to like what it is I'm actually trying to say, or never really truly hearing them.
2: Yeah, I think we as humans so badly want to be heard and understood that sometimes gets away in the way of us doing the same thing for other people. And I think also that, I don't know, it takes a lot of... In order to do this kind of um, listening, I guess, that you're talking about, I think it does require a lot of effort. <laughs> it's like not doing not doing anything requires a lot of effort.
0: Yeah, to not... To, to, to resist the desire yeah. to like teach and like solve something for them or, or point out why they're wrong or whatever it is.
2: Yeah. It, it seems counterintuitive, but it actually does. You
0: have to have the discipline to just, just be with them
2: mm-hmm.
0: like w- with nothing else. Like
2: yeah just,
0: no other agenda, no other alternative, but just to provide space for them to share and like really get. And Melissa and I were talking about this. There's this study that was done and this, there's this amazing book called Value Graphics. We are all the same age now. And, and the essence of the book is that people do business with people that, who they share the same values with. And so it's a really fascinating book, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're wanting more insight into who your, you know, your ideal client, customer, patient is. And part of this book, they did this research and they interviewed, I think, thousands of thousands of people and basically asked them, like, what do you value more than anything? as human beings. And I was for certain like what leading before they revealed what the results of the study were, I was certain that it was going to be like family, you know, relationships, those types of things. And family was number two relationships, were number three. It actually wasn't the number one thing that we as human beings value more than anything. What was number one was belonging, which totally made sense to me. It's like, of course, like everyone wants to feel like they belong. And you can be in a family, not feel like you belong. You can not be in a family, feel like you belong. But the, the point of that is if you, one of the most powerful things I believe that we can do to help someone feel like they belong is to really hear them. I'm going to read a little bit out of this amazing book by Carl Rogers, A Way of Being. And he says, the first simple feeling I want to share with you is my enjoyment when I can really hear someone. And he has the word here, you know, in um, italicized. And he says, I believe I know why it is satisfying to me to hear someone. When I can really hear someone, it puts me in touch with them. It enriches my life. It is through hearing people that I have learned all that I know about individuals, about personality, about interpersonal relationships. There's another peculiar peculiar satisfaction in really hearing someone. It is like listening to the music of the spheres. Because beyond the immediate message of the person, no matter what that might be, There is the universal hidden in all of the personal communications, which I really hear. There seem to be orderly psychological laws, aspects of the same order we find in the universe as a whole. So there is both the satisfaction of hearing this person and also the satisfaction of feeling oneself in touch with what is universally true. And so so a little bit later he says, so I have have learned to ask myself, can I hear the words and sense the shape of this other person's inner world? Can I resonate to what he or she is saying so deeply that I sense the meetings he or she is afraid of yet would like to communicate as well as those they know? I think, for example, of an interview I had with an adolescent boy. Like many an adolescent today, he was saying at the outset of the interview that he had no goals. When I questioned him on this, He insisted even more strongly that he had had no goals whatsoever, not even one. I said, there isn't one, there isn't anything you want to do? Nothing. Well, yeah, I want to keep on living. I remember distinctly my feeling at that moment. I resonated very deeply to this phrase. He might simply be telling me that, like everyone else, he wanted to live. On the other hand, he might be telling me, and this seemed to be a definite possibility, that at some point the question of whether or not to live had been a real issue with him. So I tried to resonate to him at all levels. I didn't know for certain what the message was. I simply wanted to be open to any of the meanings that this statement might have, including the possibility that he might at one time have considered suicide. My being willing and able to listen to him at all levels is perhaps one of the things that made it possible for him to tell me before the end of the interview that not long before he had been on the point of blowing his brains out. This little episode is an example of what I mean by wanting to really hear someone at all levels to which they are endeavoring to communicate. And so I read things like that and I'm like, do I ever really hear anyone or am I just listening all the time to just have something to say? Am I listening only to be able to like sell something or teach something or solve something?
2: I think sometimes like that question that he was asking, like those, how he wanted to understand the boy deeper. I think for me, sometimes it's, it can make me, I just try and put myself in that situation. And I feel like I could be nervous about, about the outcome, about the possibility of what they might speak. And so I wouldn't try and go deeper. I would just want to stay surface.
0: Yeah. Cause the surface can be, safer it's more familiar it's what you know like most of us i think on the surface someone says something to us whether we're right or wrong we we have an opinion mm-hmm. of what they should do or what would be right or how to solve it but to let go of that and just really hear them yeah it could be could be a little bit but, but that's where you get access to hearing them and seeing them at a different level but also i know in the few times of my life and I, and again that's another thing i've recognized. There's been a few times in my life with a few people where I felt like I've experienced this where someone really heard me.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: think it's super rare, but I get access to like what it is. I'm really trying to maybe communicate or different thoughts or feelings that I've never had. And another thing that I think is interesting that Carl Rogers talks about in this book. Um, he said, I learned through hard and frustrating experiences that simply to listen understandingly to a client And to attempt to convey that understanding were potent forces for individual therapeutic change. And so he shares a bunch of stories where he said in the beginning of my work as a psychologist, I would, I would listen and come up with all these amazing ideas and solutions and strategies. And my clients got worse. (laughs) Like I was shocked that not only was it not working, it was making it more difficult to help them. And he said, so as I learned over time, like he just says here that if I would listen understandingly and then try my best to convey that understanding, that was the most powerful thing I could do for them. And oftentimes they would solve their own challenges or problems. They didn't They didn't need someone to solve something for them. They just needed someone to hear them. And they said second, I and my colleagues realized that this empathic listening provided one of the least clouded windows into the workings of the human psyche in all its complex mystery. And so like, I thought, well, why, why is that? Like, why at least speaking for myself, why do I, when my kids come to me with something or Melissa comes to me with something, why do I so badly either want to coach them or want to teach them? Or why do I just feel inclined to? And it's like, well, it's, it's always from a good place. Actually. <laughs> I never want to like mislead them or I never want to like make them not feel heard. But yeah. What's so counterintuitive is the thing I want to do the least might actually be, or the thing I want to do most might be the least helpful. And the thing that occurs to me the least naturally, which is just to listen is to what might actually be the most helpful.
2: Yeah. I would love if we, we've talked about it in the clinical setting a lot, this conversation, I'd love to talk more about how, yeah, how you would play this in family.
0: Well, I think Melissa, you're really good at this. Like I think, I don't know where this came from or where you learned this, or if it was just a thought you had, but I've noticed over the years that when I share something with Melissa that otherwise might be an opportunity for her to like correct me or teach me or, or even just get frustrated with me or react. If I share something, she's gotten really, really good at saying like, yeah, what's that like for you?
2: I learned that from you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really? Yeah wow there it is folks you're a genius on record
2: <laughs> but really you, you that is one of your your questions it's a good question it's
0: a but good it's question. but it's not what comes natural to us like especially if someone says share something with us that we don't like hearing or we don't want to hear one of our kids says something that we don't like our initial thought is to react you know
2: totally yeah think of an example
0: like I think when if I ask you know simple. Like today or Saturdays, we have zones in the house. So everyone's assigned a zone to clean up the house. Right. And every Saturday, oddly enough, <laughs> someone's not happy about their zone. Someone and,
2: has the hardest zone. The same person <laughs> thinks they have the hardest zone every week somehow.
0: You're like, uh, that's not possible to have the hardest zone every <laughs> single week. Maybe there's a common denominator here. You, um, but someone could come like one of, one of our kids could come and talk about how frustrated they are and like how unhappy they are about their zone. And again, my natural reaction is a lot of things like, yeah, shut your mouth and (laughs) go clean your zone. Like we're all doing it. None of us like it. Like quit complaining. Like, I mean, I could come up with all kinds of things that, but I don't think that when they're coming to me with their frustration about cleaning or their zone, they're not looking to be taught a lesson. And so for, to be able to be like, yeah. So like, what's that like for you? Or like, yeah, why is that frustrating for you? Or, yeah, like, well, how could I support you? (laughs) Like,
2: That's a really good question. I'm thinking about it, you know, how we've applied it in the past. Before, um, it could be applied, you know, if someone is really sad about something. Maybe something happened at school and um, you can maybe see that they're upset, but they don't really know. What exactly to say about it? I think that's a perfect time to use that question again. You know, maybe they didn't get invited to a birthday party, for example. What's that like for you?
0: Well, and I think sometimes in asking that question, I know a lot of times our kids, they don't on the surface sometimes even know what's so upsetting to them.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It actually takes some digging down for us to really hear them, but for them to hear themselves. Like I know we had a breakthrough since moving to Hawaii, with one of our, one of our kids who has had some challenges with certain aspects of like, um, student teacher relationship. And it was just, I remember specifically like this conversation that Melissa and I were having with, with this particular child after their birthday dinner. So it was just us and, and them, and we were driving just the three of us in the car and we were talking about school and there were so many moments I wanted to teach a lesson, and give them advice and tell them what to do and how to show up to their teacher. But it was just an asking like, well, yeah, what's that like for you? And yeah, like, well, okay, well, what's that like for you? And like, well, how does that make you feel? And well, why do you think that happens? Basically came, it came down to this, like this particular child of ours was like, yeah, I just, I don't want to be the teacher's pet. That's like a really big thing for me. Yeah, like, he, doesn't
2: want per- he doesn't want to be perceived as the teacher's pet by like his other friend and classmate
0: and we had, like, I can't, I, I can't remember, but for me, like, had he, I don't ever remember that him ever saying anything like that to us, Mm-mm. which was actually kind of surprising, especially from this, this child in particular, I was like, Oh, interesting. And I don't even know if he knew that was what was really going on for him until he shared that with us that night. And so, then it was like, oh, from that place, again, it wasn't like, well, here's the solution. But it was like, oh, well, like, well, why, what would be so bad about being perceived as a teacher's pet? Like, it was just like this fascinating and he really felt heard and like really shared with us. And I don't remember even giving him a whole lot of advice or strategies or ideas. But I can tell you it's been a much different experience, I think, for him with his teacher. And I think he realized that that was a story that he'd kind of made up and had been influenced by other things.
2: Yeah. I want to keep giving like actual questions to, to, to get to a place where you can have deeper communication. So I love that one that we talked about. What's that like for you? And I know you have, you always have great questions. You really do. What else would you incorporate?
0: Yeah. I think some questions that we've asked over the years that have been really useful. We've asked of each other, Melissa and I, we've also asked out of our kids is, like, so for example, with Melissa, I would ask like, how are you experiencing me as your husband? And Melissa could, you know, how are you experiencing me as your wife? And then with our kids, like, how are you experiencing me as your dad? Now I will say that there can be some work that goes into this ahead of time, which is that you get into an agreement with each other and you get to a place where you can be authentic with each other and not react emotionally. So it wasn't just like one day out of the blue I was like, "Hey, Melissa, I'm going to start asking you this question: How I experience you, or how you experience me as your husband?" And you can only say things that I like hearing or want to hear, or else I'm going to get mad. <laughs> you know, it was like it took yeah. some work to be like, "Hey, I'd love to be able to ask you like how you experience me, and I want you to really be authentic with me, and I want you to really like tell me the truth." And I'll commit to you, like on my end, that I'm going to hear whatever you say, like, like I'm really hearing you, like an opportunity to like upgrade. Or to look at it, but not like, well, but you do this, you know, like not defend, like a
2: defend, yeah.
0: Yeah, you can't defend, you can't justify. And so I think those those types of questions, like, how do you experience me as your husband, as your business partner, as your colleague, as your boss, as your whatever it is? And if you create it ahead of time to like people, if people truly feel like they can really share with you and be authentic. They, they, they will, and you'll hear them in a way that you haven't heard them. But I think that's such a, I think one of the things that prevents us from really hearing each other is that we react emotionally. So I think what you have in, in, in the world is you have a ton of scenarios where people are just reacting to what each other's saying. And it's preventing them from ever getting down to what's like truly being said or, or what could be truly said. And I don't know that I have like a ton of advice on how do you get to that place, but I think it is a level of like, and Melissa and I still work on that all the time in our marriage, but I think it takes, it requires this level of maturity that you have to realize that if someone says something to you and you react, it's going to be nearly impossible to get down to what that person's really trying to tell you and it's good and it's going to be nearly impossible for you to hear them and them to hear you and so what what's powerful like to me where like hearing and and communication listening has like this superpower is when you can like really not get emotional about it
2: but i think that's the hardest place to do it is with the people that are closest to you like maybe like you mentioned earlier a business partnership a marriage of course parent child relationship because there's just a lot of emotion involved in those in those relationships and so it's really hard to not let that emotion take over and in most cases there's a lot of history there and so to sort of not let also like the history of what's happened in the past or how like i could probably tell you like i know how chris is going to react to to this or that, you know, you just get to know people like so intimately, um, in these types of relationships, but to not let any of that get in the way of, of the communication, I think is really hard.
0: Well, yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I actually think that's a really dangerous place to operate from and communicating or attempting to communicate and listen and hear is if you're operating from this place of, well, I already know how they're going to react. <laughs> that alone will never allow you to really hear someone. Yeah. That alone would never allow someone to really feel heard. Cause it's like, it's basically like, it doesn't matter what you say. I already know. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. How, how would we ever get to a place where we really hear each other with that mentality? You know, but That's it's
2: so easy to do.
0: Yeah. So the well, the work really would be like, I'm going to bring myself to a conversation with this person. Like I'm hearing them for the first time. <laughs> Which might not even be totally possible, but at least like the effort or the attempt, you know? Yeah. I also think it... (laughs) Like, Melissa and I have talked like, okay, we're going to be really authentic with each other when we ask each other these questions. Like, how are you experiencing me as your husband? How are you experiencing me as your wife? And we don't see it as like an opportunity to take the gloves off and like, ooh, she asked me, I'm going to let her have it, you know? Like, I'm going to be authentic, but I still do it from a really loving, like kind place.
2: Yeah. And I love also, we haven't done this in a while. I wish I, I want to do it more often, but also we ask our kids this question too. How are you experiencing me as your mother or how, how are you experiencing me as your father? And let me tell you, that will give you some real insight (laughs) to how things are going. Like in your in your relationship with your kid. And I think the first time you ask it, they might not be really they might be a little hesitant to give you feedback. But I think once they learn that, okay, this is like a safe, this isn't like a trick question. There's nothing behind it, but this is like a question that my parent is really wanting to know. They're wanting feedback, they'll be totally willing to give it
0: unless. And this is my, this is the hardest thing for me Mm -hmm. because if you look at my, my, like my, my strengths or my personality assessments, like I'm a, I'm a teacher, I'm an influencer. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's who I am. So my natural tendency is to always want to teach and influence and fix and like help people see, right? If your kids feel like you're asking this question because you want to teach them something or fix them something or fix something in them, they won't share or they'll just share what you want them to what they think you want them to say. But if your kids realize that like they can really truly share and the only feedback they're going to get from you is like, wow, thank you for sharing me. Thank you for sharing that with me. Like, what's that like for you when I do that? Or, you know what I mean? Like, and that's the biggest thing that I think I'm learning and it's such a hard lesson for me and it's such a hard thing for me to realize is like, And I have to really be honest with myself sometimes like, man, Chris, are you listening just to have something to say? Are you listening just to like get ammunition for a comeback? Or are you really listening understandingly like Carl Rogers talks about to really hear what this person's trying to say and then communicate back to them that you are really attempting, right? It's like, so, Right. So that, what that look like is, so what I hear you saying is this, right? And it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, like, what's that like for you? Right. Like how, but before we even get to the question, right. That is, I think the biggest challenge is like, can I really hear what this person's saying? And can I bring myself to it? Like I'm hearing them for the first time. Cause I think again, the two most dangerous things is showing up, like I already know how they're going to react. So I don't even really need to listen. And two, yeah, I'm going to have something to teach him.
2: And what do you think is possible? Like say, like, what's the whole point of it? Anyway, I'd love to hear you speak to that about, you know, say you hear someone you're really listening, say with your spouse or your child, what does, like, what does that look like? What's the outcome of that?
0: Well, I think it's twofold. And if I go back to the, the story about Gordon, the marriage counselor, when he did that for me, like his, his desire to really hear what I had to say and really hear me and see me, it, it actually gave me access to who I really was. So it wasn't just like he was, it wasn't like I had all these things figured out and I just need someone to hear me. It was in, it was in hearing me that like I sorted some things out myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the most, the most powerful thing, lessons he taught me was actually by just giving me space to let me like share and like figure some things out
2: and maybe explore, explore the parts of you that were had maybe even hidden, or you just maybe didn't even know like what was buried in there and that just letting you be able to have it all come out.
0: Totally. Like a, uh, a book that I've been working on, like for my, just a, a, a book I want to write. I'm not sure on the title, but the subtitle I've thought of is how to unearth your calling, right? Like, cause you, you've heard me on other episodes talk about, I feel like there's something, there's something that all of us are called to do. Mm-hmm. But the reason I like the word unearth is that the definition is to discover something lost, hidden, or kept secret. And sometimes, like we sometimes at one point in time in our life, we were really clear on what we felt called to do. And then it got it became lost because maybe just like the world beat it out of us, or we had our, our self doubt or our limiting beliefs. But sometimes it's just been like hidden or kept secret. And it's in someone like hearing us that we can get access to it, which is just a crazy, profound, powerful thing. Like it was in just him hearing me and wanting to hear me that I got access to things about myself I'd never understood. So that's like one possibility. Like it's a real gift that you get people. And then I would assume, and I know this is the case for me, but I would assume in that situation, that same scenario, like because Gordon really heard me, he felt so much more compelled to help me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like from a genuine place, he really wanted to help me because he really believed that he could because he'd really taken the time to hear me. And so I think like in a relationship like your child, for example, you really hearing them and them feeling heard, which those are two different things sometimes. But if you hear them and they feel heard, the power is like your child will like learn things about themselves and see things in the cells they probably haven't had access to. And and you'll see them in a way that just has you like really see them like for who they are. So it's the, it's the you seeing them and them feeling seen, but that's the only way I can describe it. Like the only way I can describe what Gordon did for me Was he, he heard me in a way that was so powerful. It was like beyond language and words. I felt seen through his hearing, if that makes any sense at all. I didn't just feel listened to, like I felt seen by him.
2: Yeah. And I feel like maybe part of that too is like, oh, I, I don't know if this is the best word, like, but I'm like, I'm okay.
0: Yeah. Like there isn't anything that necessarily probably. Maybe I don't, maybe there's nothing wrong with me. Like I need to be fixed.
2: Yeah. And what a gift, what a gift to give a person.
0: Totally. But that's that again, like I just, I've just been so fascinated with it lately that I just, I'm realizing how many of my own relationships where it's like, yeah, I'm running around busy all the time, listening to people, but am I hearing people and am I hearing them in a way that has them feel seen? Am I hearing them in a way that has them feel understood? Am I hearing them in a way that has them learning things about themselves? Like, am I hearing them in a way that has me be like, wow, that's a special person. Like now that I really hear them and now that I really see them, that's a person that like I want to, I'm even more committed to serve and, and who better to like start that with than your spouse, your children, like in your own family. And I would say that if you can master it in your home, you can probably master it anywhere because like you were saying, Melissa, like those are some of the most difficult individuals, to do it with. Cause you already have this long history. Like, you know, you already know how they're going to react. You already know how they're going to respond.
2: Yeah. And I think that, I think that's the last thing I would, I would like to say about it is it's, it can be such a learned skill too. like Chris, you have become like, I've watched you become such a better listener and such a better um, question asker and <laughs> just more like engaged with people when i think back you know 10 15 years ago to how i see you today it's such a learned a learned skill so if it's something that you don't feel like maybe you have mastered which i don't think we've ever really mastered it but there's always room for for more like for more growth in this area so don't don't get discouraged by it but just start today
0: yeah Well, I don't know if you remember um, several years ago that night at Joe's Farm Grill when we went out to eat with uh, this couple that was in town. That was a prospective client of mine. Mm -hmm. Do you remember this? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of those like, how are you experiencing me as your husband? But I didn't ask her. She just told me, hey, here's how I'm experiencing you. And I'm embarrassed to admit that like, This couple comes in from out of town, their prospective clients at the campfire fact. We have this real opportunity to like really connect with them and see them and listen. And I basically dominated the whole I just talked the entire time. And it was all about me. And we get in the car to to drive home and Melissa was like, from a really loving place.
2: This is I'm gonna interject really quick. (laughs) I had read an article in a magazine that week, maybe even that day, about the art of listening. And so I think it was just on my mind anyway, but then after watching that whole dinner scenario unfold, and Chris isn't exaggerating, <laughs> like how it kind of happened, I just got in the car and I was like, okay, how do I communicate to him? Like, <laughs> you talked the entire time, like, you didn't even let them get in word of edgewise. That's what I was kind of thinking, when I'm like, okay, how do I gently float this over, like, in a way that won't have him be defensive, but we'll have him maybe come to There's some realizations on his own. So I started talking about this article. I was like, yeah, I just read this article and it's all about listening. And it says that there's different ways to listen or whatever. I don't even remember. It was years ago, but I remember that's how I brought it. I brought it up gently. But then that led that night to a deeper conversation. Yeah. About it.
0: Yeah. So it started gently and it ended boldly. (laughs) (laughs) And Melissa basically told me like, as the conversation progressed, she's like you have got to stop talking so much and listen to people and basically told me like, look, you're, you you don't need to try and impress people. You don't need to try and sound smart. You don't need to solve like you're enough. Like you have enough talent and enough gifts. And like people are going to work with you and people are going to like you. Like you've got to listen to people. And that was like this huge wake up call for me. And it had me reflect on, times where people had done that for me. And here's one of the biggest lessons I've learned that we talk a lot about in the campfire effect with our clients as it relates to influence and being more effective at selling and growing your business and connecting with people. One of the most difficult lessons I've learned is that people connect with us through their story. That doesn't mean that people aren't influenced by our story or your story and that they don't connect at all with our story. But if I, if I, could measure this and I don't know any way that I could, but like, let's say out of a hundred percent, I believe that, that if we're, if we're trying to get to a hundred percent connection with another human being, I believe 70 to 80% of the connection comes through them sharing their story with us. And 20 to 30 of it is us sharing our story with them. And, and what's interesting is like, and this is like rooted in like, just like the hardwiring of the brain and how it works. Like the more I share with someone, well, then the more that signals to my my brain, like subconsciously, like, wow, you must trust this person because you're sharing quite a bit with them. And it's like, well, because I trust them, maybe I'll share more. Well, because I shared more, I must trust them even more. And it's like this um, uh, reinforcement feedback loop, they call it. But it's like, it's so true. Like if you really want to create influence with someone, if you really want to connect with them, you really just hear them. The most powerful thing you will do to influence them, the most powerful thing you will do to connect with them, is to hear them, without any judgment, as well. Like without, again, without, without judging them, without having a solution, without having an answer. And I remember in this book called Give and Take, I believe it, I believe that's the name of the book by Adam Grant. They talk about these three types of people: givers, matchers, and takers. And they, in the, in the book, basically breaks down how givers are the most successful. And that givers are also some of the best listeners, if I am remembering this correctly. But they did this; they did these studies where they had a control, a, it was a control group. So one person was in on the experiment, the other person that no one experiment was taking place. And the and the the, the goal of the person in the experiment was to give this other person talking as much as they could in like a certain period of time. Like the goal was to allow this other person to dominate the conversation, <laughs> kind of like I did that night at dinner at Joe's Farm Girl, probably like ninety five percent or more and almost every time they would conclude the conversation like in the experiment the person who had talked the entire time would say something to the other person like that was such a great conversation like you're such a great conversationalist thank you for talking with me and it was always fascinating because the other person was like i didn't i didn't say a word but what's amazing is the person who did all the talking it felt like they'd had this really deep rich meaningful like engagement and so yeah i think just i just wanted to share and this was just this was just present for me this week when asked what do you want to talk about and i just said i I want to give families maybe access to a different possibility around like, and for all of us to just look at this, like as we, as we operate as a family and as we kind of go throughout our days, are we really hearing each other from a place of just wanting that hearing someone so that they really feel heard and seen and understood? Or are we listening to like have something to say or something to teach? And I'm just grateful for, you know, the people in my life who've heard me and Melissa is that for me. Melissa is an amazing, I, I tell our kids all the time, like, your mom is so gifted at like hearing people and being curious. And I think that's one thing if someone's like, okay, how do I get better at this? Like, what are some practical things I could do to start to hear people more? And I think curiosity is a big one. Like just being curious about someone. But again, not being curious so that you can find something to like teach them or use against them or whatever it is. Curious just for the sake of being curious. And I've watched Melissa do this. She has this amazing gift to just like start asking someone a question. And then from whatever they say, take that to another question, another, and like, go really, really deep with someone really, really quickly. And people love her for it. What's well, because she hears them. They feel seen by her. And so, the, yeah, curiosity would be one of my, you know, practical things. Again, I love this question. When someone does start to share with you, if you find yourself wanting to like having the urge to teach or solve their problem, instead, maybe p- replace it with like, yeah, what's that like for you? Like, tell me more about that.
2: Thank you for that. That was very kind, <laughs> and I am just naturally curious. Like, I don't. Chris was asking me the other day, "Where do you get that from?" Like, maybe from my dad. I just love knowing the, about people. It is just inside of me for some reason. Um, let's leave. But I love how you just recapped that one question. What's that like for you? And then also, how do you experience me as your mother, father, husband, wife? whatever it is
0: yeah i'd say the last thing with that is i think a real sign of maturity and communication and hearing is when you can have those kinds of conversations and not react emotionally which melissa and i we're talking, we still do react emotionally to each other but getting to a place where you can really hear what that other person's saying and just hear it thanks everyone see you on the next episode bye hey there thanks for listening
1: to today's episode To show our appreciation, we want to offer you a free gift. We have an incredible online course you can get now by going to familybrand.com or by following the link in the show notes.
0: And while you're there at familybrand.com, be sure to follow us on social media so that we can go on this journey together.
1: Lastly, if this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you share it with another powerful family in your life and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode.
0: We will see you in the next episode.